<laughs> oh, we, we love you. We, have, we do have such awesome people that um, we are so grateful for, for what God's doing in our midst and, and stuff. You know, as, um, as, we, as usual, the Spirit of God is moving um, in through, in the, through the music. So, you know, I trust that you really engage with your heart, you know, in worship, because every part of the service that you engage with, Spirit of God is here. He's ministering. I bet you, and I know this happens at Lake Haven because I've had testimonies and more testimonies. You walk through the doors, expect to get ministered to. I wouldn't be surprised if you get ministered between your car and the door. We have got so many people that are ready to give a word or love on you or have something that happens that happens regularly. But you know what? If you think that the ministry only happens when the pastor stands up, you'll miss a bunch of it. You'll miss a bunch of it. So, so just stay, stay tuned. But, but in the worship, you know, um, there was that song that says, speak the name of Jesus. And, you know, you, you know there, there, is, there is power. You know, you've heard that for you. And, you know, I know it's, a, it's a, a, a cliche to say, you know, you know, in the name of Jesus, there's power. And there's, there's power in the name of Jesus. But, the, but it really is true. When you realize that that is one of God's names, the name that he was named with, that he was, that God, the angel said, you shall name him Jesus. You shall name him Jesus, Yeshua, the God who saves. And remember, we've studied that before. What does save mean? Have I done a bad job? What does save mean? Healed, delivered, bold set free, redeemed, all of those are part of the name of Jesus, all of those. And you know, when, when, when there was the blockage prophecy that came or spoken through Norman and through a few people and through Miss Ruth, and um, you know that there are issues that we have in our life. And I particularly think, you know, we, we have Healing University on Sunday afternoons here at five and will be today and it's just, but you know, when we use the word healing, you know, most of us think, oh, I don't have a physical problem. I don't need healing. What does the name Jesus mean? Deliverance, set free, made whole, healing, all of the pieces. If you suffer lack in your life, you can speak to the lack. If you're not whole in an area, you can speak. You, you know, any of you have emotional hang-ups? Or is it just me? <laughs> mental, mental issues? Yeah, there you go. Mental issues, that's okay, I love it, man. You're awesome. We have, we have there's, there's, there's things that we have that we, can't, we don't have to carry with us anymore. And healing, we can, when, we, when we talk about healing and when Karis you know, has put together Healing University, phenomenal, the awesome teachers, Barry and Greg and Andrew and you name it, Ashley and Carly, you know, all of these people that, that are teaching, you can lay hold of healing and wholeness through the word of God because he sent his word and healed. And that's not just talking about the body only. It's not talking about the body only. So when you speak Jesus, you can, and you connect in your heart, and you understand that, and you can speak the name of Jesus to mental issues, emotional issues. You know, there's addictions. Of course, no Christians have addictions, right? <laughs> Let's get real, people. Was it just me? <laughs> Anyhow. 
anyhow, praise God. Um, um, I, I, just, I just sense there's, there, is, there is people here that connected with that, and I want you, you know, through this, uh, just, just, in fact, let's just take a moment right here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're ministering to people's hearts. We do speak the name of Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus to mental issues that we're holding on to or have suffered and had held on to. We identify a mental issue as a sickness. It's not a wholeness. And you came to set us free and make us whole. We speak to emotional issues, emotional baggage that we've carried for too long. We declare freedom over that in Jesus' name. Hurts, we, unforgiveness. We just speak your name. Thank you, Lord, that addictions are indeed delivered. We speak deliverance to addictions. And we declare your lordship in our lives and in our hearts. You are Lord over every area, every area. For you online too, connect with that. Just connect with that. Close your eyes. Speak the name of Jesus to that issue. Thank you, Lord, for liberty. Thank you for, for that ransom, for, for being our deliverer. The one that would draw us out, set us free. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You're so good to us. You're so good to us. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I have a, a couple of my things in, that I felt um, before I even could get into my message. God, I think the Lord was prompting me to, to mention a couple of things, and I thought, but God, I've got a message. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyhow, um, uh, a couple of things I do want to mention. Uh, some of you are going to see a new face around here. friend of mine, Bert Dutoy, um, has, has come in from South Africa. I've known Bert for, for many, many years. Bert, won't you come up here? I want, I want to show people what you look like. And you're going to see Bert around here for, for some months. Who knows how long? But, but um, I've known Bert for many, many years. And um, Bert has been a TV producer and a production guy for years and years. And he is kind enough to come and help us. Aren't you excited? Uh, <laughs> so um, we are Bert, Bert, man. Make him feel, make this guy feel welcome, not just here, but just get to, get to know. Uh, thank you. Uh, I prefer to be behind the camera and, be, and uh. behind the microphone, so, uh, but it's great to be here. And thank you for everybody already showing me kindness. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a, a great, great time. You know, I want you know, I have, I want to, to let you know that, you know, media today has become one of our greatest potential outreach fields. It used to be that the first impressions of a church was a greeter. Do you know how many people I meet? And I could ask you to raise your hand. How many of you were introduced to Lake Haven Church first online? A number of you first came and checked us out online. That happens more and more. And we have really struggled in the area of media. And everyone for that's watching online, that happens to be watching online, can testify it's been a bit hit and miss with our media. We've had fails and start. And so what, we, what I, I really felt the Lord spoke to me about a year and a half ago was that we need to lengthen our cords and our stakes. You know that, that scripture where the Lord spoke to us getting prepared. And one of the areas, just one of the areas is in the realm of media. Media is there for, for many people out there, and it's not just for people that won't walk in the doors, because it is for them that too that will never walk in the doors, but it's also, there's, there's just, there's huge untapped resources, especially, obviously, since COVID and so forth. 
So now it does, I don't believe online, I'm not saying online, offline, you know, online watching replaces church. It doesn't. You need relationship with people, but it's still a huge first step, first impressions. And so we, I just appreciate Bert coming to help us to get things right. And it's us taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Amen. Exactly. So, so thanks, Bert. I appreciate it. Well, in any case, you'll get to know Bert long. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you get you lots lots of stories that you'll still get here. But then also, um, I had on my heart to mention um, Ted. Where are you? Here he is. Why don't you come up? I know that you're not. Well, I didn't ask you or warn you, but I wanted to tell you a little bit about this man. How, I don't know how many of you know that Ted Nelson. He pops in here every now and again, but but you don't know this about Ted. Unfortunately, he's married to, an, to a New Zealander. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. South Africans and, New, and Kiwis. Are, no, no, that's okay. Now, Ted and Georgie are awesome, awesome ministers of the gospel. They, you pastored for how many years, Ted? Longer than I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and your your son is ministering now, right? Isn't he still? Is he? Was he? Who took on the church when you left there? Uh, actually, uh, the young man that was supposed to take over the church <clears throat> when I uh, announced that we were uh, going to be leaving um, changed his mind. Oh no! Fortunately, uh, we had a Grace Church across town who I had brought that pastor into Grace. He was my best friend. And we, so we merged the churches. Okay. And uh, that worked out okay. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, t Ted and Georgie have moved around the world and around America quite extensively. And uh, I, I, many of you have come and known Lake Haven as a Grace Church. We, we minister faith, righteousness, and the grace of our Lord Jesus. And it's a huge, huge difference in, in ministry, right? How many of you can say amen to that? Amen, you know. But Ted has actually created a website. Tell them a little bit about the website that you're working on. Sure. Um, well, I started about, about a year ago. Sorry, I'm losing my voice. Um, because people on, on social media ask, uh, is there a Grace Church in my area? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's hard to have answers if you, if you don't know. So I started looking for Grace Churches around the world. And amazingly enough, there is quite a few, mm. not near as many as should be or will be, but uh, I think we, I haven't counted them, maybe found between 250 and 300. Um, the United States has quite a few. Uh, amazingly enough, they are not on each coast, <laughs> surprise, although there are a few. Um, but the, the website is called is locategraceministries.com and uh, we did not make a distinction between the churches uh, whether they're spirit filled or Baptist or whatever all we were looking for is, is the message of the pure, you know, the pure grace message of freedom and liberty in Christ is that what they're teaching Amazingly enough, there are more groups than I thought. Mm. I just found one uh, last week called Free Grace. Mm. Free Grace Alliance, I think is the name of them. And uh, it's a network of grace churches. I went through, I didn't recognize anybody, mm. which is good. Mm. 
which is a good thing. But anyway, if you have friends, uh, family, whatever, that you want to get hooked up with a grace ministry, send them to that website, see if they're in there, you know, one near them. Uh, I think uh, if you're anywhere near here, you'd probably find this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I left it on there. <laughs> um, there's also um, traveling ministries. Uh, there's a section for them. There's a section for uh, grace counselors. Um, and then I added some, um, well, they're just go on there and look around. It's, I'm always trying to add something. Mm. Although, yesterday, I don't have access to the Facebook page for, for uh, um, what's the name of it? <laughs> Locate Grace Ministries. And there's a Facebook page, too. And my personal one, we got shut off. Wow. But the website is still up. Locate Grace Ministries. You mean Facebook? Facebook shut your Locate Grace Ministries page down. And mine, yes. Oh. But I think it was self-inflicted. Okay. <laughs> Do, you, <laughs> Do you have anything else in your heart to share with us, sir? Um, have an opportunity. Well, my wife and I are homeless, so if you want to donate to the homeless. <laughs> actually, officially, we are. Seven years ago, we started uh, reluctantly, on my part, house sitting. And uh, we are currently on our 72nd house sit over seven years. We went to New Zealand for five months, then two years later, went again for six months, did house sitting and see family, the in-laws. And we've been all over the United States and Canada, and uh, it kind of gets in your blood. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. we are homeless officially. <laughs> Ted's a fun guy to get to know. If you ever see Ted and Georgie around here, thanks, Ted. Thanks for all you do, my friend. Um, yeah. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate that. Awesome. Well, um, let's, let's go into what... Um, what the Lord put on my heart. You know, last week I started a, a, a series called Rightly Divide. And um, you know, you, if you were here last, last week, um, my foundation scripture was 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 15. In the King James Version, it says this. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, and now, well, I see that, that this is the amplified version now. The amplified version is, is the one that I broke down. In the amplified, it says here, study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, uh, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Now, I... This is such a powerful thing. And as I said last week, and I want to encourage you to go back and say it, but, but Paul's teaching Timothy here and speaking to Timothy, and he actually warns him that there's a lot of people that have gone astray. He, he does it. He talks about a few times in First and Second Timothy, and we went through some of those scriptures. Um, you know, there will people, he says in Second Timothy 4, a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Listen to that. They will accumulate teachers in the end times. They won't, they won't listen to sound teaching, but they'll accumulate teachers um, to, 
to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. That means, I mean, think about that, people. There's people that are living into myths, and there's this, this swerving from the truth. We see it in, chapter, in 2 Timothy 2, 16 um, as, and 17. Um, it talks about uh, Hymenius and Philetus in verse 18 who have swerved from the truth and because they, they started teaching that the resurrection has already happened. Then in, in 1 Timothy 6, Timothy, um, uh, Paul talking to Timothy says, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid this irreverent babble and contradictions, what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it, some have swerved from the truth. And there's, there's a number of scriptures all over Timothy that, that you can go into, but Paul is making this warning. People have actually had their faith corrupted because of this. And so he gets to this place in, in, in chapter 2 where he says that we need to rightly divide the word of truth to hold on, to guard that which is deposited to us. So this is something that we've spoken about and touched on in different ways in, in, over the years, but, but, but in, in, you know, obviously in Proverbs chapter 4, it says that we're supposed to guard our hearts above all else. And of course, the heart is the repository, it's where our belief system is, as we've taught so many times before. It says, Jesus talking about the heart says, do not doubt in your heart. We are supposed to guard your heart. Um, we, we told other plots in Proverbs that we should write on the tablets of our heart. In Jesus' parable of the sower, he says, the seed is the incorruptible word of, of, of God, but our, it, the, the heart is actually, I mean, the, sorry, the soil is the heart of man. So we, we, we have visited those, those truths many, many times, but it's up to us to guard our hearts. And so back to the scripture that is our foundation here, Second Timothy 2, he says study, and that word, actually we broke it down, it's actually not the word study there. It, it's not the word as in pull out a book and, and study, but it's, it's strive, be eager, be, be diligent. And some translations put it that way. He said, be diligent to pursue um, these, it's spaudazzo, and, and it's like, be diligent to pursue what you're going to do. To, and then he says, that we, we broke down the thing, study to show yourself approved unto God. And, and one tr couple translations, as we, we actually put that really bad. You know, try and show God just how approved you are, or, or, or make yourself approved unto God. And we went and, and studied that, that's not, we, that's not what the scripture says. In fact, rightly dividing that very same scripture, we have to see that we are approved unto God. Study, we need to be diligent. You need to, you need to apply yourself, not just coming to church on a Sunday, but get into a group with good, wholesome people like, like Ted's talking about. Good, wholesome people that, where you can be diligent to show who? To show yourself. Not to show God. It's not your amount of studying that's going to say, oh, okay, okay, now, okay, now you're approved because you've been a good boy, a good girl, and you've really worked hard at your studying. So here's a little gold star for you on your forehead. You see, I'm approving you because now you've studied. What is enough study? When, do, when, when is one hour of study a day enough, or is two hours, or is it 45 minutes, or is it 10 minutes? When is enough? You see, the, the, the question is we have to be eager to show ourselves that we are approved unto God. And God, as we went in Ephesians 1, 6, said that we have been approved. God is the one who approved us. And we went into that last week, right? 
touched on to show ourselves and there's no cause for shame. And we went into the Roman scripture, which says that, that, that we, there is no shame when we are in Christ. There is no shame, right? So again, I've just got to touch on this foundation scripture, right? So um, we, we're not, there's no shame. We, we are approved. And now we have to correctly divide the word of truth. Now, this is, this is a, a lot of us as believers, um, and, I, and I mentioned this last week, I went to Bible school because I was thoroughly confused. Somebody said, you know, you feel like a, a termite in a yo-yo. You know, sometimes you don't know which way is up and which way is down because when, when you go through, when, out of certain denominations or growing up, you can get so confused about what is actually, how to actually read the Bible, how to actually understand the character of God. And so we have to apply ourselves to saying, okay, there are some, there are some fundamental principles that can help us to actually rightly divide the word of God. Now, in the previous series, again, remember I did manifest and we, we spoke about Jesus. Jesus is the manifest word of God, Logos. He is... If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So absolutely, that is the one primary way we can know the character and nature of God is by looking at the very logos of God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John show how Jesus lived, walked, treated people, taught, etc. He is the manifest. Now, we went through that series, as I said, in, in detail and, and saw that God is not a man that he should lie. He's even, doesn't, he doesn't ever change. God has never changed. Now, that's where we start getting into some confusion and some, and some Christians start scratching their heads because they're, according to a lot of teaching out there, God has changed between, for example, the Old and the New Testaments. You know, we, we now, now all of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, is we are told, and we can, you can, we can go and look at the scriptures at some point, but we are told that everything is good for our teaching. Genesis to Revelation. So here we are not throwing any part of scripture out. With, amen? So I just want you to be clear. Here we are never going to say any part of the scripture is not valid. Genesis to Malachi is valid. But, but we need to understand where the covenants and what the covenants are. Because if we don't get a grasp, an overview of the covenants, and, and, and that's what I want to do today, is I want to just give you a few little pointers on the overview of the covenants. Well, not all of the covenants, because there are multiple covenants in, in the Word of God, but just the main two. And, that, and that it, we'll, we'll see that, that can, it makes all the sense, it will, it'll, it'll make so much sense to you, at least I trust it will after you get an understanding of how the covenants fit in. Because you see, covenants, right in the beginning, right in the beginning with, for example, I'm not going to go to the, you know, the Adamic covenant, the covenant that God made with Adam and so forth. But, but if we go into the Abrahamic covenant, where God made, an, made a covenant with Abraham, and it was a covenant of grace, and God made a covenant with Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you, and I'm, you, I'm good, your, your enemies are going to be, you're going to be in trouble, I, I'm going to be against them, and, but you, I'm going to bless, and all nations through you are going to be blessed. And he speaks this massive blessing to Abraham and his descendants. Now say that, Abraham and his descendants. Abraham and his descendants, right? And now this Abrahamic covenant is actually is an everlasting covenant. So now you've got to put a pin in that because 
I, I'm going to have to come and come back to the, Abra- the covenants at some stage and do a really deep dive because they are so much fun to get into. They make so much sense when you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many parallels in life and in, in marriage and in, in all these things the way God designed it. So, but God designed it and he said, I'm going to bless you. And, and you will notice, for example, in the Abrahamic covenant, now Abraham um, and the New Testament teaches this. Well, I'm going to touch on that a little bit, but the New Testament teaches that right from Abraham, when God gave him that covenant, all the way through to Exodus 19. So we're talking about right from Genesis 12 roundabout to to Exodus 19. We see God treating and blessing Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We see that there, and in even the people, even even uh, the Israelites, even in Egypt, while they were while they were in Egypt, and what they were doing, and even when they left Egypt and they were going through the Red Sea, you see them murmuring, you see them complaining, and God feeds them and gives them quail and manna and water from the rock and blah 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 blah. They are blessed people. Abraham himself, he cheats, he pumps his wife out a couple times. He lies, about, he lies about things. You see Isaac being absolutely, you know, um, a, you know he's, trying to, he's trying to cheat the system too. Um, his son particularly, you know, Jacob being the, the deceiver, which is his name. He, tries to, he, he wants to finagle the inheritance and be, he wants to be devious. But guess what? They're blessed. Nowhere do you see God speaking disfavor. Why? Because God made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants. So you see this massive blessing, and no, there was, there, God's not even showing any disfavor. Now, the New Testament says, tell, tells us about the Abrahamic covenant and says sin was still in effect, even though there was no law. In other words, because Exodus 20 was coming, when they got to Mount uh, Horeb, they got to the place where Moses gets to go up the mountain, and they, 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 in fact, Israel is actually invited to the mountain, and we, we could study this in detail sometime, but basically what you see is that Moses goes up the mountain because alone because they don't want to, the people don't want to hear from God. They say, listen, you go and find out, you, we'll do whatever you tell us to do. Just give us, just tell us what God says. So God, so Moses goes up the mountain and gets the two tablets that spends 40 days up on the, on the mountain, right? And he comes down and he has, we, we see instantly, in fact, even before Moses has walked down out of the mountain with God, there is a change. Instant, no grace period, they are now in trouble. They have now entered a covenant called the law. The law, the Ten Commandments, the curses, the blessing that you see laid out in, in, in Deuteronomy 28. There's a whole bunch of verses, 14 of them talk about the blessings of the covenant and, and a whole bunch of them talk about the curses. Now, understanding what a covenant was, you guys, it, it basically in, in today's terminology, the closest thing we really know is marriage. Um, it is a blood covenant. It's the most sacred of oaths. You know, when you have a tribe and it still exists in every nation today, 
It still happens between nations today. But if you had a tribe that wanted to, would make a covenant with another tribe or a person would make another, like, like say a husband and wife, they, you covenant that you are going to be one flesh. In other words, your strengths are together, your weaknesses are divided, you're, you're, you're sharing all your possessions um, so you would have a weak tribe, make a covenant with, a, well, like say, for example, an agricultural tribe in Africa often happened. An agricultural tribe will make an, a, a covenant with a warring tribe. And they would be, make the deal, okay, listen, we're going to be together. So if you go out um, and, you, and you're going to be, you're going to basically be behind forces, you're going to protect our fields and us um, if anybody comes in to take us. But what you're going to do is you, you're going to provide grain for us, right? So they get to... It was a covenant that was unbreakable. It was, it was set basically firmly in place. So understanding that covenants that God made was the, was the language of, of sovereign and complete uh, sure promise. So when God came to Abraham and said, hey, listen, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Abraham was like, 99 years old, or 90, well, I mean, he spoke at first, but he, co- he confirmed the covenant when he was 99 with circumcision, right? And, and he's like, oh, sweet, I'm going to be in covenant with Almighty God. That's pretty sweet. Abraham and his descendants were going to be in covenant with Almighty God. God was going to protect them, provide for them, bless them, and be against all their enemies. That's a pretty sweet deal. You can rest pretty sweetly, you know. So, so here we come, though. We come to the next, this next covenant called the law. And, and now covenant with God has been how God has dealt with man. I want you to hear that very clearly. Covenants are where God, it's how God has worked with man. In other words, under the Abrahamic covenant, Israel, by just by sheer bloodline, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them, just because they were Abraham's descendants, because it was an unconditional, everlasting covenant with him and his descendants. And he said, listen, I'm going to bless you like this and this. And that was great until they had a new covenant. They had a covenant change. The law was instituted, the Mosaic covenant. In the Mosaic covenant, as I said, there are these blessings and these curses. And instantly, instantly, they are worship when when they're missing the mark. They the, the people hadn't changed. They had been the Israelites had been worshiping other gods in Israel. I mean, sorry, in Egypt. They had been up to their their their, their shenanigans all the time. And so what happens is now God says, "Listen, if you obey me, if you keep my commandments, I will bless you." Hear the difference? If you do this, I will bless you. If you don't do and and if you don't do this. You're in trouble. And so suddenly they come down, they've got the golden calf, and they're in trouble. And God says, okay, go through the camp, wipe them out, take swords, slash, kill, whatever. And you were like, whoa, God has changed. No, he hadn't. The covenant had changed. The covenant of agreement that man made with God had changed. It was going to be the law. Now, the New Testament teaches about this extensively because now it was a very conditional thing. Now, that has accounted for so much of the confusion because we see in the New Testament that we was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah and other places, and Isaiah talked about there's going to be a covenant of peace. 
God was going to bring a covenant of peace. Okay, so let's get into some of this this, this covenant confusion stuff. So, um, in the new covenant, well, he was going to come. So let's. I'm going to start with uh, Hebrews chapter eight, verse five. Um, They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. Now, this is, let me just uh, lay a little bit of a foundation here. Who do you think the book of Hebrews was written to? Anybody? Yeah, the Hebrews. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little bit of a trick question. No, the Hebrew, Hebrews was written to the Hebrews. And if you look and, and, and sit down and study the book of Hebrews, it was talking extensively about the change of the covenant. Guess why? Because the Hebrews were living under the old covenant. They were living under the book or, or the, the law of Moses. In fact, even the early church struggled with understanding the separation of the new covenant and the old. So, I'm, uh, try and stay with me, okay? I want to try, as I said, I wish I could delve into it and, get, and, and really pull it apart and get into you, but I, I want to give you a brief overview here. So in this, in this with the Lord speaking here, and he's saying, you know, he's talking about the, on earth here under the, under, the, under the Mosaic law when they had priests and they had the temple, and he said you had priests that served in, in this temple. And then he says they served a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. So here, the writer of Hebrews, which I believe is Paul, you know, there's the, the jury's out and scholars, but in any case, they serve, he's saying that these priests, that, that, that whole system of operation was just a copy and a shadow of things that were actually in heaven. So that's where he says, he says, these serve a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent and was instructed by God, say, saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that, that's talking about Christ the priest as, as in his priesthood, has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent, or as the Amplified says, is much more superior, say superior, than the, uh, than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better. So he's talking about the med- a better covenant, since it is enacted on better promises. So he's saying, listen, they were old priests, but here we have Christ. Yeah, he's teaching these guys that have been stuck in the law. There's going to be a new kind of priesthood. Here is the new priest. He's the order of Melchizedek, and he, this is what it means, and and, and, and so he, Paul, and, and in, in the book of Galatians teaches, in the book of Romans, almost the same thing. He's trying to say, listen, people, there is a new system of operation. God has, there is a new covenant being instituted that we do in communion, the, covenant, the new covenant in my blood, which we do at you know, every communion service, that is going to be instituted, which is going to show us how God now deals with mankind. God is now, it's been changed again to the new, and this new covenant is an everlasting covenant. When you study the covenants, you'll see that the old covenant was just a temporary guardian, it says. It was just a temporary guardian because, <laughs> going to go back to Abraham a little bit. It says that even though the law did not exist. You know that Abraham, when he was pumping his wife out or they were stealing and cheating and doing all the things that they were doing, you know that there was no law, right? The law came 430 years later. 
So there was no rule book that God had given them. And so they didn't know there's no rule, do not commit adultery, because there wasn't a rule. Think about that for a second. There wasn't a rule that said you shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that and don't do this. And there wasn't the Ten Commandments. That came 430 years later. Okay? So, okay. Anyhow, so, so here we see they, they, they still died, though. Death still existed. God was saying, uh, Paul teaches us so clearly, he says that sin, sin was alive, even though it wasn't named. Was there really adultery? Yes. Was there murder? Yes. Was there thieving? Yes. All of these things existed, and their results existed. They just didn't know it. So it says sin existed, death existed, people were dying, but they didn't know why. Until the law came and spelled out, okay, this is what sin looks like. So the law of Moses came out and said, start showing them, and they were like, okay, I get it. This, This is why it hurts us. This is why it kills us. This is why it brings destruction. You see, there wasn't anything wrong with the law. It was, it was just the guardian until the new covenant should come, until the prophesied new covenant. So listen to this. Let's carry on in Hebrews chapter 8. So it says that Christ has, become, um, has obtained a ministry that's much more excellent than, uh, than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. Then in verse 7, it says this, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion to look for a second. So what is that telling us about the first covenant, or this Mosaic covenant? It is fault. It had fault. Because if it had been faultless, there would have been no need for a a second. In verse 8, For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like, listen, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And I, so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be shall be my people and they shall not teach each each other his neighbor and, and each one his brother saying know the Lord for they shall know me all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful towards their iniquity and I want to see this I want you to read this out loud and I will remember their sins no more Now, the more we study this, we see this is not just to Israel. This is to whoever wills. Abraham became the father of faith. And it says not to just the Jews, but to anybody who believes. That's what the whole book of Galatians and Romans teaches us extensively. There is no male or female, Jew or Gentile. 
But father is, but the Abraham is a father because he's a father of faith, righteousness, accessing this by faith alone. And here we see that God will remember their sins no more. Now, people, that is scary to religion. Because people don't trust themselves when you say things like that. God is not remembering your sin. God will not remember your sin. In fact, that's one of the definitions of love in 1 Corinthians 13. I will keep no, love keeps no record of wrongs. Agape, love keeps no record of wrongs. So how many sins does God remember? What about Hitler's? Ouch. Well, what's going to keep me right if I don't know that, that I've got to have fear over my life? Fear. God has never been a God who uses fear. Fearing God is totally different, and we can study. The fear of God is a beautiful thing. In fact, the Bible says that when you fear God, revival will break out. It says that the New Testament church, because they feared God, they exploded. So I'm not talking about a healthy fear or an, an understanding of, of and we can talk about, I've told you two years ago, we'll talk about the fear of God sometime. Fear, the fear of, I'm not talking about terror and, and phobos, is the Greek word. Um, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is, God is saying that I, listen guys, he does not remember your sins. Okay. So when we, <laughs> so he says, okay, so I will remember their sins no more. Let me just carry on here. Otherwise, I'm going to take you way past my time. In speaking of a new covenant, listen to this in verse 13. In speaking of a, say new. He makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The old covenant has, is not in effect. The covenant is not in effect. Does that mean that we throw the Old Testament as in the books of Genesis to Malachi way? No. They are a shadow. As I said, we can go through all the scriptures. They are for our teaching. They are for our learning. We even see that they are perfect because they give us understanding. They give us insight. We don't throw any of that stuff away. But are they in effect as in how we relate to God? No. Can you get righteous by keeping the law? No. You can't. Not today. Not today. But you see, the thinking is pervaded. Man, you know what? They, if I just step into church because of all the bad and evil I've done, God will strike me with a bolt of lightning. Or, or you, know, you know how you know we're trapped in old covenant thinking? When you think, when something goes wrong, your first thought is, what did I do? What did I do? And you start looking like, oh, things, my, my washing machine broke down and my AC packed up and what did I do? Or what didn't I do? What should I have done? If that is your first go-to, then you are trapped in old covenant mindset. 
You, you are trying to deserve and earn your way with an old covenant mindset. You, you, you haven't laid hold of the, 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 the glorious liberty that we have been given in, in God. And, and man, oh my gosh, when we study Galatians and you find out that it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Why are you trying to go back to this old thing? Don't you know? Don't you know that if you're trying to get circumcised or if you're keeping days and Sundays and festivals, he says, then he says, you, may, you have to keep the whole law. You've got to keep everything. If you're going to try and get righteous, you're going to have to keep the whole law. He says, but no, 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 no. Philippians goes into it now that I'm throwing away that old dog dung, he literally calls it dog dung kind of ways of doing, earning God's righteousness to be found like I can get this kind of righteousness that is by faith, this kind that I can just receive by grace. You see, in John chapter, I think, in John chapter 1, it says um, uh, in verse, where, what verse is it? 17, for the law, John chapter 1, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. He is the mediator of a brand spanking new, now listen to this, eternal, never-ending covenant. The way God deals with man is under a new way. And it's not just with the Israelites of Abraham's descendants. And this is, man, this is, I get so excited. I went out because I tell you why, because, because you, see, you see, Galatians teaches this. You see, the Abrahamic covenant of grace that, that was God will bless you and you're going to have all these blessings and he's going to be against your enemies and all of that. Do you know that it says that that was to Abraham and his offspring or his seed, some translation says, singular. And then it explains this, is, this covenant was to Abraham and his singular seed. And Galatians teaches us that that seed was who? Jesus. He is the seed. So God made the Abrahamic covenant and he said, this is going to be, all this great gracious blessing is going to be to, to who? Not to you and me. To Abram's descendants up until the Mosaic law, because that's when that kicked in. And then to the seed. But, when you receive Jesus and you step into him, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I step in, I put Jesus on, I put on the new man. And then suddenly, I am accepted in the beloved, it says, Ephesians 1, 6. I'm accepted. I'm in covenant. I have been given everything for right. All of these things are mine. Why? Because I did anything? No, but because the seed, I'm a co-heir with him. I get all of the benefits, all the, the better promises we just read of the new covenant. The better promises. Promises, people, not earnings. You see, if you think, well, if I just do this and do this and then I can earn God to do and I can get this from God and man you know what you better pay your tithes because if you don't pay your tithes then God can't bless you ouch now I've got to tread lightly here because people <laughs> if you if you don't have a heart willing to understand and learn you will misinterpret stuff First fruits and, and giving to God is, is still in, in operation. But I'm saying that you cannot earn the blessings no matter what you do. 
because Jesus earned all the blessings. Everything we will ever have is because we are in Christ. Everything. 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 Your healing. If you, lay, if you lay hold of this truth, the next time you have communion or you just go, you can, whatever it is. Oh, I don't have to earn? No. Jesus got it. Jesus, the covenant God made. This is what I can step into it. But Shannon, I've done this. I have an addiction. I have this. Are you in Jesus or aren't you? That's the question. If you're in Jesus, you have everything for life and godliness. That's why it's called grace. And that's why Romans 4 counters grace who obtained this righteousness by faith. Oh, sorry, by grace through faith, right? It says that's how we obtain, that's how we walk in this beautiful thing is we lay hold, of, we, 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 lay, we walk into this grace, this grace relationship by faith, right? Receiving Jesus by faith, not by works. I like the word juxtaposed. It's not a word we often use in English, but, but you see grace and works juxtaposed in Romans 4. It's not by works. If it was by works, then it wouldn't be by grace. If it's by grace, then it's not by works. You can't earn it. It's either get it as a gift or you don't. You can't buy the blessings from God. You can't buy healing or deliverance, anything. You see, so the, the truths of this beautiful new covenant is got to be the primary one, one of the primary ways outside of the lifestyle of Jesus that we rightly divide the Word of God. Now, I've got so many scriptures that, that, that I wanted to go through, but because they, it's just like I said, if you study the book of Galatians or you go through Romans 4 and you just, I mean, well, you can read the whole book of Romans, but you see, you see it over and over again that these, this, this new covenant reality, this is why we're supposed to have communion whenever we have it so that, that we lay hold of this truth. My, his body broken for me, the exchange, his righteousness for my unrighteousness. God made him who had no sin to become sin for me that in him I become the righteousness of God. There's all this, this exchange of I am the righteousness of God. But until we, we lay hold of that, we, 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 we try and earn it by works. And that's what the error is that the Hebrews and the Judaizers were doing in the book of Galatians. They were saying, no, 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 no. It's all fine and dandy to receive Jesus, but now that you're saved, now you better keep the rules. Because if you don't, he's like, guys, you can't do it. You started in the Spirit, you've got to continue in the Spirit. You can't earn this by flesh. So, coming back to again, rightly dividing the Word of God. Now, I've got to talk a little bit about this and then I'm, going to, then I'm going to close so I don't fry your brains or heart, whatever. I just think it's so exciting. It's just that, you see, the old covenant was in effect from Moses on coming down, not the beginning of Moses, but I mean, because he, he led them out until they got to the mountain, stone tablets, Mosaic law, boom, no warning. Suddenly, and it's very interesting, he wins, goes up the mountain for how many days? 40 plus 7, close to 50 days. He goes up the mountain, comes down. 3,000 people die that same day when the law gets instituted. What happens? 
Jesus creates a new covenant. On the cross, he says these words, it is finished. What is finished? Jesus' ministry? No. The old covenant is finished. The old covenant is finished. Because Jesus hadn't gone to hell yet. He hadn't defeated death, hell, and the grave. He hadn't been raised. He hadn't taken his blood into the heavenly sanctuary. He hadn't, all of these things. He hadn't been done yet. What was finished was the old covenant. Guess what happened 50 days later? The inauguration, the spirit. How many people were saved? 3,000. A new covenant, better promises, gets inaugurated. There is, there, it, it, it's powerful. Paul, Paul, the apostle Paul, God who God calls, knocks him off his horse, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He understood a lot of the teaching. They, he was, he's often called the apostle of grace because he understood, oh my gosh, he had the revelation at first. You even see, listen guys, in the book of Acts, do you know, <laughs> I'm going to scratch and kick some sacred cows over here, I'm sorry. It's just like in, in the new covenant, you, do you know that the, the apostles missed it sometimes? Just because it was accurately recorded doesn't mean they were supposed to do that. But that's what we see. We often see that. Oh, well, they did this, so we've got to do that. Hold on. Just be careful. It's got to line up. As I use my Oberman sphere, everything has got to line up with the truths of the New Testament. We've got to rightly divide it according to the death, burial, resurrection, the finished work, the new covenant of what that actually happened. Amen? So, yeah, I'm going to just leave it there. But, but you see, from Moses, from the mount, up until when? Till he was on the cross. Till Jesus was on the cross and said it is finished. But it's, it, there is a sort of a crossover period, and we can study that sometime if you like, but I mean, it's like, or we can do it in a small group. But, but he's inaugurated. The Spirit is sent as a deposit guaranteeing. Each time there was a covenant, there was a mark. There was a deposit. There was a thing. You know, it was circumcision by blood. It was, it was even you, you, all of these marks that, that had it, right? So a, a sign of the covenant. And here we get, we get given the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, etc., etc. So we see that Jesus, even though he was born, it says very clearly in the New Testament, in some of these scriptures I don't have time to go to, that he was born under the law. Jesus lived under the law. He lived under the Mosaic law. But that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't teach the new covenant. Because Jesus did. He raised the law to such a high standard, right? He said, listen, you say, if you don't commit adultery, you know, he says, listen, if you just look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. He says, if you just angry with your brother. How many of you have ever been angry at your brother? Murderer. You're killers. I guess there's only five of you. The rest of you have all been super good. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, but, but Jesus, Jesus absolutely taught the, he taught the good news of the kingdom. He showed us how it was going to be. And he did it masterfully. And there's so much that we can unpack there and how beautiful the new covenant is. But let me just say this. If you don't lay hold of this truth, you will get confused. 
because you will not rightly divide the Word of God. You see, here comes some book printer and, and says, okay, let's, you know, this is when Jesus was born, so we're going to just title these pages from here on out, from the before Matthew, the New Testament. But you know that Jesus, there was no New Testament when Jesus was born. So, so understanding, hold on a second, there is a, remember, a covenant, a covenant can only be inaugurated, it gets it, once, it, once, it, once a covenant gets fully inaugurated, it changes how we work with God. When you understand that, then you're like, oh, okay, now I can, if I grasp that, then I can look back and see why God dealt with Israel the way he dealt with it. And why God had to deal with Israel. God needed a bloodline. He needed somebody who would actually become the seed and so on. And, and so the covenant and how it worked. That was just how God worked. It was the, what's a good example? Um, what do you call it? Uh, the, um, uh, in America, I'm just trying to think of the constitution. You have a constitution that is supposed to govern the rules. It's basically, it's basically the same sort of thing. There is A covenant is like a constitution about how God is going to work with us. It's going to deal with people. And so when you look at something and say, oh, well, this is how God's going to deal. By con- this, is, this is how God dealt with people under the old covenant because that was the constitution. They could only earn the blessings by doing this, by serving him, by following the rules, by following the sacrifices, by not doing this. Remember, the curses were even more than the, the thing. So they would be cursed if they didn't do this and didn't do this and didn't do this and didn't do this. So there you get to understand all that. I know that I'm, I'm laboring that point, but it's just like when you, when you grasp, but hold on a second, Jesus, that's what's so powerful. Galatians 3 said that Jesus became a curse for us. He's taken all the curse of the law. Every promise is yes and amen in him. In him we get every promise, every blessing, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we understand, like, when we grasp that, you cannot look at somebody and say, God is doing this to you. But you know, that's what I hear all the time. Social media. You know why this is happening? God's dealing. I, I hear big name preachers who I admire. God is judging America. God is judging America? God is judging America? The new covenant says that the, the price has been paid. God is not judging people. But Shannon, that's that you're saying some strange things now because if you're saying that, then what's going to guarantee people just not going to live like the devil and carry on sinning? Listen, people. If you want to live like the devil and carry on sinning, you, you're not understanding, one, the destruction of sin that sin brings, and two, you do not love God. To see, the love of God, when he wins your heart, it's, it's like being in love with your spouse, except much more so. 
You want to, you want to do everything because you're in love with your spouse for that person. You're not like, it's like your spouse coming to you and says, you know, Shan, like Karen coming to me and Shan, I'm going to love you. I'm just going to love you always and forever. I'm like, oh, great. I can go and sleep around. <laughs> what? Yeah, Yo, you said you're going to love me. So woohoo, and I can go and sleep around with any woman I want. Does that sound sick? Exactly. Precisely. When God gives and he, and he offers us a relationship with him, it's a relationship driven by love. And, and we can talk about that the whole divine romance of God's love for us. When you know that God loves you and he's paid this incredible price for you, it's love that draws us. Paul said it this way, the love of Christ compels me. I am driven, I'm motivated because he loves me. Not, but you see, when you live in fear, because you still have an old covenant mindset, you're stuck in your old covenant way of thinking. You think you have to earn. You think you are trapped. Paul, um, James says it this way, basically says, you, how can a double-minded man re receive anything from the Lord? Why? Because you don't know if you're on again, off again, up or down again. Do you earn from God or don't you? Most people who struggle receiving from God, it's because they, this is the issue. They don't, have a, they don't have a grasp on what the new covenant is. They don't understand what grace is. They don't understand the love of God. They, and I say, I'm not talking about just intellectual grasp. Amen. I think I have to quit here just because we, it, is, it is such a rich reservoir of grace and peace and love. Like I said, the, the law came through Moses. Grace and peace came through Jesus Christ. And, and I, I just want to let you know that as we delve into that, and like I said, we'll have to do a series sometime where we can really pull up our sleeves and get stuck into the covenants because it's fun. It's so fun to understand how, what we have been set free into. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that by the spirit, your Spirit, Lord, that we just lay hold of these, these ridiculously awesome, wonderful, incredible truths of your grace and love for us. And Father, I just want to, I, I, you know, in fact, I just want to ask you, just say this prayer in your heart. Just say, if you mean it, that is. Say, Lord, I want to, I want to see that. I want to more than see it with my eyes or see it with the understanding of my heart. I want to experience that freedom, the freedom of your children. It is for freedom that you have set us free. Father, help us to perceive that freedom, that we're no longer walking in bondage. And Father, as we step into this grace that you've set us free, your word tells us that it's that very grace that gives us the power to live this, this life. Incredible power. So Lord, we want to, we just rest our, our weary hearts and minds. If you feel weary because you've tried to please God, I want you just to let that go. I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that he's pleased with you as you are because of what he's done for you. We embrace this new covenant, Lord. 
We remember the table, even if we don't have the, the elements with us, that your body was broken for us. And that there's a new covenant in your blood. So we lay hold of that, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the great exchange that you've given us, these beautiful things. So we just choose that. It's the path we choose and we receive that. Amen. If you, um, you know, in the beginning we said that, that um, call the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's an addiction, it's a mental issue. If it's a depression issue, it's an emotional issue. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You don't have to earn it. You can receive it simply by being in Jesus. Amen. If you do not, if you have not received Jesus, if you're a visitor here, all you know, the Bible says in Romans 10, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call out to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I'm not going to give you magic words, but I just tell you, if you call on him, he will meet with you and save you. If that's a hot cry of your heart, if that's a cry of your heart, then come and see one of our prayer ministers here afterwards. Amen. And just say, you know what? Because we have got books here that we would like to give you and make sure you go home with. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs>